0: Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the Podcaster Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastermatrix.com. That's podcastermatrix.com.
1: My name is Wade B. Olson. I'm the Sage of St. Louis. I've been driving a cab in the city for over 20 years. I've had over 80,000 conversations in the dark just looking for answers, mostly on how to fix the problems of the world. It's given me a very unique way of looking at the world and a different sense of its problems, a Wade sense, if you will. These are a cab driver solutions, conceived in an environment free of political correctness and irrational fear. This is Wade Sense the podcast. Come join us. So I get a call late one night, as usual when I'm running around at night, to uh, pick up at a place called Benton Park in St. Louis. It's kind of an old industrial area. And it's to pick up Michael. Michael comes out, and we sit down. And he tells me where it is that he wants to go, and we take off, and we start talking. And sometime through the drive, I find out that Mike's a vet. We start talking about this organization that he has and what it is that that he's trying to do to promote awareness, to build up interest in what it is that he's doing. And him and I start talking and like most things that occur for me for this program, it's just a you know, blast out of the air. And it's like, how is it? And I, I, I've been the concerned for the longest time in how is it that we help veterans? I mean, it, yeah. it is this sick appalling thing that is happening where these young men and women are taking their lives at the rate of 22 a day. I can't even wrap my yeah. head around that and how it's how it's happening, how we're letting it happen mm-hmm. is this great falling down in our society and I just I, I was, think
2: it's a little bit deeper than that too. It's where we're taking America's best who yeah. already have the initiative to not only foster the country's goals right but to stand up and volunteer and put on a uniform and go defend all of us. yeah and then when they come back, we just don't have the chair to pull out and give back to them. That's ridiculous. It's uh, it's it,
1: absolutely unforgivable.
2: It, it, not only is it unforgivable, it's something that desperately needs a fix. And I cannot wait to learn more about
1: what you and our visitors tonight have figured out. I, I think I have something that uh, I think it's a tad revolutionary. Again,
2: we'll learn more from our guests who are in studio tonight. By the way, and guys, thanks for jumping in tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I can't thank you enough for coming yeah. in. Yeah, thank you so well, much I'm for happy. being here. Wait, be a part wait, of this. let's take a second to introduce our guests too.
1: On my left is uh, Mike Nowicki. This is the gentleman that I met. And across from him sits, sits Matt Pazzola. I'm going to say it, I'll screw it up. I know it. Pat, Matt Pazzola? Palazzola. Palazzola. Zola. I missed a vowel. I missed a syllable. <laughs> Everybody knows. Matt does. Palazola, uh, Who? <laughs> thank has you guys the, for coming who in. Has the Zola yeah, thank initiative, you for Most importantly, thank you for your service. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thank honestly you. and truly. The, and uh, we will remember. I, I'm, I'm trying so hard now to remember to say that because I really do <clears> remember that because it just does seem like thank you for your services. It, it oh, just look, man, doesn't it, cover it. I,
2: I always look at it this way. Uh, my, my entire family has served or was in law enforcement, and I was not. Yeah, and yeah. so what I got for them is thank you for your service because what else have I got? Right. And, and so that, that's it, that's going to have to work. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> I, guess. I, I've never run into somebody that will give me shit about saying, hey, thanks. No, I, thanks because they're too service. polite. Um, that's the one thing that I've are, managed to read. Are either of you unappreciative it. when someone tells you that?
3: No, I mean, I don't think I'm unappreciative of it. I think that... It's a nice thing for people to say. I mean, sure. we hear it a lot, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can tell them people are genuine with, you sure. know, no, that that they just true. want to come there, out there and go out true. of their way no, to yeah, say, yeah. hey, I appreciate what you did.
1: I, I think that the, the biggest failing in and – I, and I have to tell you this. Uh, of the people that I've met in this job, I've met and had, like I said, probably 80,000-plus conversations now. And of the people that I've met, some of the coolest conversations that I've had, some of the most amazing people that I've met – our vets and I've I've met World War II vets. I met a guy once in the airport who has stormed a Normandy beach and, and I was in awe. My jaw dropped. I, I I shook his hand and there wasn't really anything I could intelligent I could say other than that lame ass thank you for your service. But I couldn't have meant it more because I just I can't imagine storming that beach with that amount of artillery trained on you and just watching your fellow soldiers just getting wiped out in front of you and just and the, the, I've noticed this about these veterans is that they have this this humility that it's like how you're 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 living god's walking among men we're not worthy of you but the one thing that I've noticed about that generation about the greatest generation and that really is a moniker they have deserved is that all of them the men and the women to a person has got that velvety old people skin but right underneath the muscle memory, it's iron. I mean, you can see what they went through, the, what the Great Depression did to them. When you talk to people and the stories that they have, yeah. you can't imagine that kind of suffering yeah. happening in this country. But what it did to them, and it, and then it gave them, I think, the proper seasoning to be able to go into a conflict like World War II. Remember, guys, this was an all-or-nothing thing. We were still, uh, just at that point, we weren't a world power yet. We, we were, we were just coming on at the stage and kind of being forced into the role. Yeah. And when I look forward now and I see what's happening with these veterans. And that was one of the first things that I talked to Mike about Mike Nowicki, not Mike, my producer is, is that I thought that was maybe the problem. And I said, and I don't mean to say, and I told him, I said, I don't mean to say this to sound insulting. I really, really don't because it's my generation. It's your generation. The last two generations have not gone through any kind of major struggle at all. And I think, do you think? And I asked him. I said, "Do you think just maybe, possibly, that's one of the problems why this generation of veterans is is committing suicide at the rate they are? Is that they weren't prepared? They they, they went from our soft lives into this major struggle, this chaos of, of war, and came and, and just weren't prepared for it. And then came back, and you know the assimilation process is it's, it's like how can we possibly? And, and this is what I came to. This, this is the epiphany that I had." is it's like maybe what we're trying to do is asking just about the impossible. I mean, I believe that people are essentially, I think by the time you hit high school, you've been hardwired, and the person that you are, all of your characteristics that you're going to carry forward in life have been set and wired in at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't possibly imagine that, and the number of vets that I've met, the one thing that they all seem to share in common, so many of them, is that there is this this deep brokenness, this melancholy, that to a man and woman, I, I you, you talk to them long enough, and it doesn't take long, you you immediately pick it up, and I, I think that's the thing is that the the seed of of this of this wave sense cure idea is that I I think that it comes back to association, and and I thought about what needs to happen is that. There needs to be um, communities or dormitories or something set up so that veterans coming back from battle can be around other veterans to be right there for each other mm-hmm. to help get past these hard times. Now- well, and to relate. And, yeah, to relate because you, you can't relate to, I mean, Joe Blow on the street anymore because you've been re-hardwired now. And that's where I was going with the hardwiring yeah. thing. Your what? basic program has been forever altered yeah. from what you went through. I, I just, I want you guys to know something right now. <laughs> I, I go out of my way and this, this program was built to avoid being politically correct. This mm-hmm. is not politically correct on my part when I tell you that I don't feel worthy to be in either of your presence I, I i really don't because no i will honestly always no, feel that and
2: i'm gonna hit the pause button on the program also because like when wade says something like that what how does that make you guys feel and knowing that you guys are going to give us the the straight poop i'm, I'm interested because i am
4: as you're saying when people come up to us and say hey, thank you for your service or he makes those comments like like uh he just did it's you almost get a sense of shyness sure you know you're, you're yeah. you you do not know you don't quite know how to take it because you don't look at yourself or reflect upon yourself within that type of highlight right. essentially at the end of the day you signed up for a job you did your job and you did what you had to do to survive and, and have your buddy survive and at the end of the day that's what it comes down to right
3: yeah most you know most guys that served i mean there's a select few that like to boast about it and everything but most people did it because they felt the calling to it and they wanted to do something you know something bigger than themselves and it's we don't not appreciate when somebody comes up and says thank you for your service but we didn't do it for those reasons and he like he said it kind of makes you feel a little bit shy a little bit because you kind of want to shy away from it because you don't you really don't want the special recognition most guys that serve and it's like i said it's not
1: that we it's not appreciated it's just not something that we seek sure but see, that's that's honestly why I feel the way when I said when I, I said that I, I don't feel worthy. It's like, okay, I've got a dangerous job. I'm a cab driver. I drive in one of the most dangerous cities in the country at night. I'm kind of upping the odds <laughs> that someone's going to take me out. I did have my window shot out in North St. Louis last year. But your job, people were actually trying to shoot you. People were trying to kill you. People were you you, you are the, the the first line of defense in our country, and maybe you weren't fighting on our soil, but you're still fighting for Americans. And I'll tell you something, and once again, this comes back to my experience dealing with people. I've noticed something, that in the people that I meet, especially young people, people under the age of 30, if if I meet you and like and respect you within five minutes, 80% of the time I will find out that you are either military or were raised military. For the most part, now, Mike, I know that you are the exception, Mike, the producer, I know that you are the exception Oh, was there's, ra- always, there's always I- rule versus the exception.
2: I was raised military, it just um. didn't
1: stick. <laughs>
2: you know. Okay. I, it's it's not something I gravitated towards. I'm absolutely proud of all of the people in my family that yeah. that went in whatever direction they did. I just I chose something different.
1: So what I'm saying then, okay, in your case then, there was that. There 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 was that that uh, path to follow, okay? Right. But that wasn't uh, in my family. I did have some of the people in my family that served. But for the most part, I was just on my own running around. But what I'm trying to say is that our country anymore isn't producing, in so many respects, the leaders or the type of people that respect the example that the people in the service are providing for us and should be able to provide for us on a daily basis. And that's one of the things that I'm going to get into uh, in this podcast is that part of my solution is I think that the transformation that has been undergone by veterans is undeniable. Sure. And we let's dig a little deeper. First,
2: let's state the problem, because you've talked about a bunch of things that are the problem here. Okay. One is people are not raised, uh, frankly, appropriately. Yeah. What I always tell people is like, everybody knows what wood is. Mm. And hey, look, a tree, wood, Mm. right? Right. Wrong. All wood is not created the same. Ah, In fact, if any of us go and buy modern day furniture nowadays, you look at what modern day furniture is made of, guess what it's not made (laughs) out of? Particle (laughs) board. Right, it's not made out of wood. And I would tell you that there are many people that are made of that particle board crap Ah. that you can go and buy inside of every single furniture store. And very few are made of that. You guys, Mm. all of you that are listening, and you guys too, you've got that one chair. Or you've got that axe that's been handed down, or a a tool or something. And that tool was made with some super kick-ass quality wood, and you treasure it. Mm -hmm. And that is either spilled on you inside of some sort of osmosis mm-hmm. to give you that same flavor or it hasn't the other thing i wanted to make sure we talked about because inside of your solutions one of the things you were talking about was being wired and rewired right well guys that's what the that's what the military does for you <laughs> it takes wherever you were it takes the training of whatever discipline you guys pick whichever branch you go into it spills that knowledge and rewiring on you and then cuts you loose to go and do whatever you're supposed to do As per your MOS, right. Which, by the way, I wanted to make sure we go into that. I'd like to know both of your MOS. Yeah, spill it on us quick, Mike.
4: So we were we were both in the infantry. Correct. However, we had different specialties. So my specialty was a O three fifty one assaultman, and within that field, I had more advanced training within demolitions, urban breaching, rocketry. You know, actually, just kind of blowing stuff up all the time. Kind of sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, I was an 0331 machine gunner, so carry the big guns, shoot the big guns. You know, the Marine Corps infantry, you have your basic 0311, which what you think of as an infantryman, and then you have your specialty infantry, which is your assault men, your machine gunners, and also your mortarmen. So we would really just get specialized training on the larger machine sniper like systems, 50 systems. Yeah. snipers as well. Yeah, 50 They're caliber Mark 19 automatic grenade launcher. Would you um,
1: be the guy that would be riding around on top of the turret on a, like? Typically,
3: helmet? if we had those, I was uh, in a line company, so we were on foot. So I was just carrying the big huge. Jeez. Uh, you were tired. Two forty, right? Yeah, you know. So I loved it, though. I love being a machine gunner. My brother brother's a great. machine gunner. And
2: again, I, I I I don't know about you guys, but I love getting that perspective, being yeah. able to tell people not only like how you guys were rewired when you got the rewiring, but then what you did when you went into and did, did what you needed to do. I love that. Yeah. It is the, it is the stuff of storytelling legend, regardless of where you serve, when you serve, if you are in whatever operation, it doesn't make any difference. That's where the real stories come. And that's frankly what I think is missing too. every single guy that has been inside of the military, regardless of branch, Mm -hmm. it wasn't saving private Ryan it wasn't insert movie that you've ever seen. And I think that people forget that there is a wide variety of experiences that are going to be had by so many different people. And unfortunately, the ones that don't get shared are the ones that are just, frankly, kind of functional.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I miss that because it absolutely splashes across the, the kick-assery that you guys were able to do. There's a whole lot of humdrum in being inside the military, and I, yeah. I think a lot of people just don't know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, rem- it reminds me of uh, uh, a long time ago when Saturday Night Live was actually funny and they did a commercial on, uh, what was it, the Navy's not just an adventure and it shows guys <laughs> shipping, paying off bulkheads and mopping. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then that's kind of what I mean is that there's a, there's a flavor and a perspective that will instantly help the stories, especially the ones of people that need help, mm-hmm. resonate. And it's the stories of what you not only have been through that were the tough times and the terrible times, mm-hmm. but also the times when you come back when... Not only do you not have a path to go backwards to what you had experienced or what you had treasured. You know, the. the my my dad, till his dying day, talked about buddies that he had in the Navy. And to, as long as he could, he held on to them. That's the thing I'll always memories. miss. Mm-hmm. That's right. the
1: thing I'll always miss. I wish I would have gone to
4: have that. And the, mm-hmm. uh, the,
2: the camaraderie tethered to those people is something that is very, very difficult. Most importantly, when you don't have it anymore.
4: Yeah, it's true. I'd- The best way that I can describe it to people is that is your family. And then after you get out, it could go in the likes of being a nasty divorce. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you're in, you're with your family. All of a sudden you go through a nasty divorce and now you're separated. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the best way that I can describe it from my experience.
3: Yeah. And I kind of have an analogy for it is, you know, when you go through these things in the military, something traumatic or something that, kind of sets you back a little bit your subconscious kind of starts digging a pit you know and it keeps digging and it keeps digging and it keeps digging because you're not helping yourself now you might find something that kind of gets you back on track and you might start your subconscious starts climbing back up but then something happens like a divorce or some big financial hit right. and then you fall back down and it keeps digging and keeps digging right. and keeps d- digging a lot of these veterans they're just stuck in that pit they're not yeah. finding anything to pull them out.
2: Well, more importantly, they just e- either did not learn the skills to cope with something like that. The the sample would be a uh, uh, let's say there is some sort of in- incredible financial burden. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, who told you how to deal with bankruptcy inside of the military? And the answer is nobody.
1: Nobody. Nobody. Uh,
2: I, I would equate it to modern day schooling inside of a high school, where got all the
1: stuff they're missing teaching. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, well, that's kind of what I mean. Is yeah. that th- there are life experiences, and obviously your your drill sergeant's not going to go get that checkbook together. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do that. But at, at some point, you have to get the skills from somebody, and whether that's in, inside of a point of transition when you leave or sometime when you're in where you understand some of the consequences when you are going to transition out.
1: That could be part of the uh, what they would teach uh, in this dormitory system, Yeah, is the transitioning period back, the things yeah. that you're going to need to know.
2: Yeah, and we're actually jumping around a whole bunch. And so let's talk about the formal problem that you want to address with your solution, weight
1: The problem is it's just too jarring to go from... The battlefield the the battlefield front to back to regular everyday society, and there there's no transition period, and that might be or very little transition period, or you've got to travel, you know, to the VA or something like that to address your problem. And my whole idea is that if there was a place where you could go from the battlefield out of the army to uh, a dormitory type situation where other veterans could be there to help you to be able to talk to, to get past the hard points, to to visit with your families in a safe area or or even have them live there. If you could have a psychiatric uh, office uh, right there, um, I'm thinking um, immersion tanks. All manners of... Coping, And while at the same time, like we were just talking about, learning the life skills that you need to make it back and the questions that you need to answer. Because so many people that enter the military, what, 18, 19 years old? Mm -hmm. How dumb were you at 18, 19? (laughs) I mean, I just, I'm amazed that I got out the door and didn't hurt myself.
2: Oh, frankly, I know people that are in the 30s, 40s and don't know what they're doing. And I'm telling you, it's all about some, some super fundamental stuffs that are completely left by the wayside. They're either not given to you, you don't know you need them, or you are smacked in the face with something terrible and don't know what to do. Right. If we took only those three things right. and glossed that over the model of someone that's been in the military for mm-hmm. insert X, right. I'm assuming that when you jump in, it's still four years at a crack.
3: Yeah. Is that? In the Marine Corps. Correct. Four years. Okay. Yep.
2: So four years of someone's life is something that I I think, you know, it's it's the reason it doesn't equate to most people is because it's even shorter than someone's typical car payment span now. Yeah. And so the it it doesn't the, the whole rewiring
1: is a total loss.
2: They don't get it there.
1: Right. The. So that's part of the problem is is getting the average person to understand just really and truly exactly what it is That somebody who's been in the military and been in combat has gone through, so that there is a relation as well as just an acknowledgement. Because sometimes the acknowledgement is just on the surface. There really isn't anything deeper than that. So the problem is
2: people not appreciating the people that are in the military? Yes. Is that the problem? Yes,
1: that is it. And your solution is what, Wade? My solution is a system of uh, dormitories or close-knit communities. where veterans coming back can be uh, around, associate with each other, uh, get patched up, and get their learn what it is that they need to assimilate back into society successfully. Or, like I said, at the same time, is to realize that. Veterans have been transformed by what it is that they've been through to the point where there's abilities that you have that the average person probably doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Like I would say that probably to a man and a woman, you've got a situational awareness from being in a combat situation the average person doesn't have. I know me personally. I walk around even with a dangerous job that I've gotten half the time. My head's up my butt. I'm, I'm not really paying attention as, unless I'm in a really bad neighborhood as to what's going on around me. I think that there are occupations. And gentlemen, this is where I I really wanted you guys to be here is that Mike and I, I'll bring an idea and then Mike's job is to hole poke and find all the holes and then together him and I patch it up. And I wanted you guys to be a part of the hole poking session. So if I say something, like I said, first off and foremost, I do not mean to be disrespectful if I ever am. I'm coming from a position of ignorance, Mm -hmm. not disrespect. So if I say something that it's like, what the hell were you thinking? Tell me. I didn't know what the hell I was thinking. So I was thinking when I started to come up with what I thought would be... uh, Warrior U. It sounds like you're coming up with Warrior
2: U. Mm -hmm. It would be... Or former Warrior U. The sample would be, okay, you guys are done. Did you both have just four-year tours? Yes. Okay. You finish your four-year tour. You rotate back in. And instead of going back home or insert wherever you... Did you both just go back home? Yes. Okay. And is it like you go back home and were you both married
4: or... No. No. Neither you, of you were married. You kind of just... Essentially, oh, because you were so young. Essentially, right? you get dropped off where you left off. You know, yeah. If you, if, okay. you, if you join at the age of 18, you're getting out at 22. You join, like a lot of us, 19, you're getting out, uh, like I did, at 23. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. What do they offer for a transition? Anything?
4: A couple of classes. Yeah, They you, you get a...
3: So, right before you get out, they give you, like, a one-week class where... And it's a lot of jam-packed information, and it's mandatory, but it's, like, a <sighs> one thing where it's hey, these are things you need to learn to and you're young, live you're normal you're just sitting there life.
1: tapping your foot, waiting for the mm. damn class to get over, and exactly. you're not soaking any of this crap up. Right, but bottom exactly. line is that there is something. And there I, is, I, something. My, my, there my, is something. My guess
2: that, is that if you were to ask somebody, they would say, no, there's nothing. You do just come back in, and they throw you out.
3: There is something. If it's, whether or not it's useful, I would say absolutely not. Right. That's the point. It's It's, a useless gesture. Well, it's a
2: band-aid. Yeah, It's a band-aid to what is obviously a larger problem and a need. Mm -hmm. And I think if that was identified, that's going to be inside of a bunch of the hole poking we're going to be doing.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, Anyway, where I was going was uh, a former warrior U, university. Mm -hmm. And so when you get there, there are tools and an experience that would equate more to, uh, and again, having never done it, I, I, I can only say the words, to barracks and buddy standard living quarters blah that you then have a, a span of time that allows you to go to classes and have a period
1: where you would yeah, then be transitioning exactly. is that what you're thinking yes exactly okay is, and I, I thought i was saying that but i guess not
3: i'm gonna be honest i, I don't really agree with that as being a, a good idea uh um, well, a lot of a lot of guys and girls when they get out of the military they just want to go back to being normal they just that's what they want to go back to a normal life right they want to go back to how things were um the problem is that you're not the same person when you get back as before you left right now as far as going into some kind of like dormitory or specific area where you're you know with a bunch of other veterans or whatever classes anything like that that's kind of isolating you still from the rest of the world there are tons and tons and tons of programs out there to help veterans transition mm-hmm. into normal life. Right. The problem is veterans don't know about them. When you're ah, getting out man. of when you're getting out of the military, they say go to the VA, go to the VA, and everybody's heard about how horrible the VA is. Yeah. and That's that's no lie. I've had horrible experience with the VA. I'm sure Mike has had horrible experience with the VA.
4: It's kind of a little better, but yeah, it is.
3: It's it's going in, in the right direction. It's just not going fast enough, and that's why right. there's so many resources out there that are, you know, started up by veterans like Mike and I. And that's kind of one of the goals of our organization is to create a veteran community, not necessarily one place where you can go, but just a community where you get to meet the other veterans in your in your community, learn about all the resources you have in your community. So you're not just a veteran that's going home and you're the only veteran in your town and you don't know anybody else and you just got to make things work. So rather than a, a,
2: a former Warrior U, it's former Warrior Community College. Right, so where it's an experience to go take advantage of.
4: For example, I mean, everybody who serves active duty gets the post 9/11 GI Bill, mm-hmm. so you have the option to go to college for four years, and then while you're going to college and it's it's paid for, you're also getting. A housing stipend they, per, do they, per month sorry,
1: but do they also pay for if you want to go
3: to a trade school or something like that They, you yes. can do that too good there's good. a whole lot of different options you can use the gi bill for okay um, cool. i
1: just think less and less of universities and more and more but there's, what, there's, there's, what is
2: the feeling of the gi bill in, in general when for people that are getting out what, what,
4: so it, there it are feel? a lot of guys and girls who plan ahead and say i'm going to go to a trade school. I'm going to go to college. This is what I'm going to go for. Right. And they're the ones with the plan. There's a lot of people who get out who have absolutely no plan at all. And for them, that's the part that's detrimental. I know, especially in your- Is that a, is
2: that a rebellion thing? Is the, is the having no plan rebellion?
4: It's, it's, it's really complex, um, but you can come out and if you have a really bad experience uh, with your time in the military- what I'll tell people is, is we don't come back as gods amongst men. We come back as the walking dead. Mm, probably, per, that, that feels per, right, too. You know, it, 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 with, is what the feeling is inside. You, you almost don't recognize the potential that you have anymore. And so some guys, see you was saying earlier, find themselves in a hole that they can't dig themselves out, and they won't reach out for their resources. I don't Uh, know how. Right. I just recently had a buddy pass away who never went to the VA, even though he talked about it constantly. And I tried to get him in touch with a whole bunch of uh, the correct resources. He never went to college or a trade school, even though he, you know, had that going for him. He just, you know, he let it get to him so much to the point to where anything other than what he was doing immediately, I think caused too much stress and he just didn't want to make that leap. And so I, it was I, just
1: the stress of the situation why he didn't on his on on his own even though he said he wanted to why he didn't on his own go to the VA.
4: It's it's per person but it I think, Matt, you had a good answer. You had an answer for the, for something like that.
3: Oh, I was just going to go into how the, the GI Bill, I think, is a great resource. But the whole plan, having a plan, you know, guys like us, we were infantry. So right. what was our job? What did we know for four years? Our job when we were home was to train to fight a war. And then we go to the war and we fight the war and we come back and we do it over again. That was our job. We don't know what we're going to do in the real world. Right. Um, it's not so much that you don't have a plan or don't care to have a plan. It's just what am I going to do with my life? You know, and a lot of us, we come back, we're 22, 23, 24. People that do eight years, they might come back with a wife and kids, and they're not going to live in mom's basement while they go to college. You know, they have to get their own apartment, pay all their own bills. Right. The GI Bill has a monthly housing stipend, which helps, but it's not enough. So you got to worry about your finances, you got to worry about your jobs, and then you're trying to. You know, do studies, which all college
1: kids do, anyways. And then um, the
2: cherry is on the cherry on top is that you have to reacclimate. Yeah. On top of all of it. And well, maybe that's
1: where the dormitory situation could actually help. I'm not saying forced. I'm just saying that it's an option and highly encouraged for people getting just getting out of the service to go and and have just to be able to live in a comfortable environment with people that share same experiences. Mm-hmm. Because the person on the street isn't going to, unless they've been in the service aren't going to have that type of mentality, those type of shared experiences to make that transition easier. Yeah. What I was thinking of was um, different occupations that would fit folks coming back from the battlefront. And one of them was, and I think that this is just a foregone conclusion, at least it should be, is TSA. You have taken a government job and given it to people. You've gone for the lowest common denominator, people that are looking for a steady paycheck and um, a little bit of authority, and basically the only thing the TSA has shown itself good for is catching itself stealing from people. (laughs) It it is absolutely ridiculous, and I thought, and this comes from something else. Someone had said once, I'd heard on the radio, that instead of having the TSA, they should have, like, retired police detectives just roaming the airport because who better at spotting suspicious Mm -hmm. behavior and just being able to walk up and question folks. And that's what they do in Israel. And they've got a, a, a fantastic record of avoiding uh, terrorist activity in their own airports. And then I thought, well, who's going to have better situational awareness than veterans coming back from the battlefront? And it, It's like, okay, that would be a good position. You've already got weapons training as well. And I thought if you combine those two, that would be a good career.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I thought of uh, teachers. I was looking into this. This is stunning. What do you think the percentage is of people who are veterans that are now teachers in our school system?
2: Less than 1%. I
1: would say right around 1%.
4: I'd have to go with that because only 1% of people served in the military.
1: It's a little over 2%. In the 50s, it was as high as like 50, 49%.
2: This is where I dig further and ask you where you got your polling results, but I won't. (laughs) I can look. No, I don't don't want you to look on your phone and, and make us wait. No, I don't.
4: I had it right the, the, there. I, no, I right that's there. fine. Anyway.
2: The, the, the bottom line, though, is that it's it's a poll, and I'm already off the charts. I'm dubious on whatever they're saying inside of polls because I, I, if we look, if we look inside this room right now, there's there's now four people. Uh-huh. Of the four people in the room, who has ever had a formal poll? given to them i'm i'm gonna be 50 in three months you are 54 Four. the gentleman in front of us are
4: mike uh, 32 okay and Matt? 30, 32 okay. okay
2: and how many times have we all been pulled over the course of the last let's say as long as you guys have been alive
4: never a couple and times the answer, on the phone i'd say never okay the answer is on the phone the
2: answer is zero for mike wilkerson okay fine <laughs> So it doesn't mean that because I've never been done it, nobody's getting it done. But I'm, I'm telling you, pull pull stuffs
1: in general. Okay, that's fine. But, I mean, you see one example after another of teachers pulling crap on kids where they're, like, there was a teacher that just mauled this girl trying to get a Trump uh, sticker off of a, uh, or a button off of her shirt. Like, he's putting his hands on her. Right. I hear example after example after example of teachers that are basically teaching to hate the country, the founders are a bunch of racists, blah 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 blah, and it's like, no, one that's not your position too. It, it just it makes sense to me. Plus, with the whole situation of school shooters, I'm not necessarily saying all teachers should be armed, but at the very least, if you're going to have armed school guards, and I absolutely think we should. My God, we got you got an armed school guard or armed guard for uh, watching our money. Why the hell not our kids? That should—that's a job that should immediately go to right. veterans. Who better to prepared to do it? Who better? Who who would more likely want that mission? And that's not a job. That's a mission at that point. I agree with that. The kind of what I'm getting—and correct me if I'm wrong—is no. just finding
3: specific, you know, careers for veterans to go into. But veterans, when they go in, they're all all different kinds of people, and when they uh-huh. get out, they're very different. And everybody has their own career, and you know, especially. That's the thing with our generation, you know, the millennial generation, which I hate associating myself as a millennial, now, but it is what it is. Right. Is that it's not so much about just finding a job and a good paycheck. It's finding a job you're happy with, finding a yes. job that you're yes. um, fulfilled in. Sure. And that's what, you know, I got a buddy that. I started, He was a Marine Corps infantryman. He's a ER doctor now. Who would okay. ever think that a Marine infantryman would be an ER doctor? Okay. But you got people getting out of the military and going to all different kinds of expertise. Now I can see, obviously, finding something stable for a veteran to work through to get a stable job while that person figures mm-hmm. out what their calling is or what they're going to be fulfilled in in right. life. But it's just a matter of, you know, and a lot of the problem is when guys get out is in what – the society today does not realize is the amount of leadership and that young people have in the military. I was twenty years old. I was a squad leader. I was in charge of twelve guys' lives plus millions of dollars worth of equipment. I was wow. I was leading operations. You know, you got people that are forty, fifty years old that have never had that kind of responsibility in their lives. But we get out and people don't realize that we have those experiences and right. we put that on a resume and they just brush that off as oh he was just in the military. You know, my personal experience when I got out. Like I talked about earlier, you know, I had to find a job. I didn't have a parent's basement to go live in. So right. I was working three jobs, you know, pretty much from 5 a.m. until 9 9 p.m. at night. I was working all the time. And one of my jobs, just to make a little extra cash, is I was washing cars at a car wash. So right. here I am, just got out of the Marine Corps, right. had all this responsibility, all this pride about the things that I did. And now I'm working alongside teenagers right. with a teenager manager that's my that's boss unforgivable. and it's just it's kind of just dehumanizing a little bit and that's a lot of veterans get out and they go into that situation where people don't realize the capabilities they have and the leadership they have and so they're just getting put in these bomber, bottom of the barrel jobs and yeah.
1: they get stuck in that okay yeah. here's just, the whole poking then how do we avoid that type of situation one i don't think that veterans should have to especially combat veterans i don't think you should have to pay taxes for the rest of your life you've already paid your dues okay <laughs>
3: well I, I would I would say one of the solutions to that is making you know employers and just general society people that didn't didn't serve mm-hmm. aware of the amount of leadership that young veterans have at twenty one twenty two years old I can and the amount say of experience of they action have. In you know you can throw you can take a veteran and just because they specialize i specialize in machine gun and machine guns I have leadership and I have desire to absorb knowledge you know People in the Marine Corps, at least that's I can speak on Marines experience, you know, they have a certain pride about being the best. So if you want to make them a manager of a company and they've never worked in that company, have no experience, well, they're going to spend every waking se- second learning everything they can about that trade or that company to where you can throw them in a manage- management position in a short period of time and they're going to be a lot better than a guy that's worked at the company for 20 years. Yeah.
4: And they're going to bring outside knowledge and outside. Well, outside resources i i have a perfect example when i was i transitioned from being in a desert to right immediately right after i got out working for a major bank mm-hmm. sitting inside of a cubicle with with crappy lighting
3: right i gotta say knowing mike and growing up with mike i would never have ever pictured him sitting <laughs> in an office working for a bank You're <laughs> just not,
4: you're just not a new no guy. it lasts a few years but you know one of those things that i that I was able to do while I was in there I was able I was able to figure out that they they had an issue, especially within veterans coming into the bank. Mm-hmm. And what I come to you know they have very strict rules this is is you have this many days of vacation. you have this many days of of leave mm-hmm. or or sick days. and once those are used up, then, now you're on your point system, and if you hit so many points, you automatically get fired. Yep. Well, as I transitioned out and I was going to the VA and I was getting all of my claims done with the VA, I had to take time out in the middle of my workday, a few hours at a time, to go go down the street, essentially, and do my meetings with the VA. Well, within less than a year, I had used up all of my vacation days. Mm. I used up all of my sick days, mm-hmm. and I got called in randomly to HR and they're just popping questions about what was going on with with you know the mm-hmm. the lo- local area, just kind of run of the mill. And I pulled out my list with thirty uh, something appointments over the next two months. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, if if I can't find a way to make it to these appointments, which I have to, and I, if I can't find a way to work with you guys, I'm going to get fired by default. Just because. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was what normally takes two years to pass a policy. They're able to pass a policy within six months to where all veterans going into this major bank have 10 working days or two weeks to where they can dedicate themselves to going and getting their stuff so handled at, at the VA. And then your vacation and your sick days are just off to the side. So, yeah, you like what he was saying – you can bring a veteran into an environment and because they have an outside perspective and then they have had been in those leadership roles, they can see things and then figure out things that, you know, the the normal person wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to see.
1: But I think I think I see part of the problem. now. I think I see part of the solution. There needs to be and I hate using this term. It's the only thing I can think of. If affirmative action exists so that people of certain ethnicities have a better than average shot of getting a job, why the hell is that not extended to veterans, especially with your your extra abilities?
4: Veterans actually are considered minorities in the work environment.
1: You are and so there you are. do have special, but here's the but the thing was you said that you can put that on a resume mm-hmm. and you're like it's just looked over like it doesn't yeah add that, to that
2: happens across the board though and that's but what I'm
1: saying is is that's a type of discrimination and that needs to be illegal. I mean, if you're going to put that down, what, you're a better than average candidate and you should have gotten... you should have been at the top of the heap, not looked over. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an extra qualifier.
3: There area. are a lot of companies out there that have veteran preference, which your application because you know these companies is this HR the rule get, or
4: the exception though that's the problem yeah in uh, the federal government it's the rule so if, as it should be in the federal government it's a rule um, but and you like, kind of
3: briefly mentioned this you know everybody nowadays harps on having a degree and having a degree and you got to have a degree to be successful i don't have a degree right i work in law enforcement i've moved up in law enforcement very quickly mm-hmm. faster than people that have multiple degrees right why I, would you say that you moved up faster Because in my specialty, like I said, I had that pride about me that I want to be the best at what I do. So I spend a lot of time perfecting my craft and everything about it, you know, from the bottom to the top and left and right. I wanted to be the best in that. So a degree does not make a person smart. A degree does not make a person intelligent. It doesn't make somebody work hard.
1: It's just a piece of paper, in my opinion. You're right. It just basically showed that well, you could jump through these hoops. Right. Well, most
2: importantly, it's a different kind of experience. Yeah. And it, it's very hard to take anybody's experience and put it onto, uh, onto stair steps. The sample is, as much as I know you want to put all kinds of people inside of the military on parapets, there are also dumbasses inside of that mm-hmm. yeah, organization yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, that's why when you say things like, well, of course they should insert kick-ass awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, but just like everybody else that is of either a protected class or something, there are always the exceptions. And that's why there can't be this giant coverall. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the largest problems we have inside of either a hole poking or offering a solution for what we're talking about is because there isn't a big, and now there's a balloon over it and everybody's good. There there really is no Mm. such thing, and that's why somehow taking the being able to make a dome that, not not a protective dome but that creates an environment that allows you guys to learn, that allows you guys to to soak in what is not only around you but also to have the opposite action happen where people that are around you can also learn to interact with you. Because when you guys came back right away, were you just instantly ready to just go hang out with people? Because no. I, I don't think so. I've never heard that from
3: and anybody. And like I said, we were fortunate enough to where me and Mike grew up together. We went in the Marines. My brother went in the Marines. So we had kind of our each other to, even though me and Mike served in different units and went in different places, did different things, you know, we had that shared experience and we could connect with each other. Right. I remember vividly When I got back from my first deployment and I went out with a couple of my high school buddies and had some beers and we were just kind of talking and I kind of got, you know, I wasn't open to sharing a lot of the things that I experienced with most people, but these guys were some of my best friends in high school. So, you know, they were kind of asking some questions and I kind of told them some of the details about the things that I experienced and you could almost see it in their faces, the way that it changed the way that they viewed me. Okay. At least that's the way that I felt that they didn't see me as the Matt that they knew in high school because sure. they didn't have that shared experience. They didn't right. know how to relate to that. Right. And it's not anything at, at their fault or anything like that. It's just, they didn't know how, they didn't know how to handle that's that. That's what I'm thinking on a
2: societal you know, level. Well, mm-hmm. and you know what I think yeah. that is too, that again, that's a piece of that. Is it, is it furniture or is it particle board? Yeah. That, and it doesn't mean that everybody that's particle board is an, is an idiot no. or they're bad. It just means that they're, they're different. they they just don't, they don't have the tendency to graph towards what it is. And right now, especially after you guys get out, they have nothing right that can help make that, that match anymore. Mm-hmm.
4: So I, to, to give, give an example, especially going to what resources are out there for veterans or how, how can we create different types of micro communities for these mm-hmm. veterans? Matt's brother, my best friend, Tom recognized that when he was going to Webster university here in town and he recognized that veterans really didn't have a place to go. As you were walking around on campus, you didn't know if the guy right next to you was in the military. I remember sitting there in class one day, and I had made some form of mention that I was in the military, and the guy behind me was in the unit that replaced us in Afghanistan. Wow, wow! And How about that, we, huh? we ended small up small be- world. Yeah, we ended up becoming best friends, and right. I mean, instantly. But one of the things that Tom recognized was that on a campus you're isolated and, and i'm
2: sorry tell us who tom is tom tom paul it's my okay. brother so to kind of
3: talk about our organization a yeah. little bit and then we'll get yeah, back yeah. to what well, and is. i'll tell
2: you what let, let's take a break real quick sure. we'll uh, we'll take a break real quick and yeah, it's a marathon first half session we will be right back after we take a break here on white sense
1: thought about a career in voiceover
2: Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is why am I still editing my own podcast?
3: We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with The
2: Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the editor core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com.
0: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with Perpetual Advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual Advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com. Forward slash sponsors.
1: And we are back trying to basically clarify what it is that I wanted to help accomplish and help get across. The one thing that I always try try and get across in our program guys is it's exception versus the rule. I'm never thinking of the cure for one person. I'm thinking of something that helps thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of folks. And if there was something that like, like the whole idea of, of this dormitory idea that I keep coming up with, it's not enforced isolation. It's just a chance for people coming back that aren't quite ready to jump right back into society. Like you guys have said, just a place to go, to be, maybe live for a while, maybe just visit, wh- whatever it is. It's a safe place to go for people who actually really do need a safe place from a population that is largely clueless as to just what you've gone through and who the people are that you are now. I, I have zero desire whatsoever to essentially have like a senior citizen set up for veterans. I think that's one of the biggest crimes in our society is that we're taking two of the most valuable Uh, groups, uh, veterans and and old people, just the amount of wisdom, the amount of experiences that you've had, the association that should be passed on to everybody, and that's not happening for whatever reason, either through uh, indifference, cluelessness, or lack of patience to sit and actually listen. So that being the case, what I've put forward so far, what do you guys think? I mean, if you could Read a check or or read a rule book or whatever, what do you think would be the best thing that could happen for veterans in the short term and the long term?
4: What I believe and what I know that's helped me out Mm -hmm. when I first got back, I spent a few years just kind of living life and kind of to the max, you would say. And Tom, Paul Zola got me off the couch one day, Mm -hmm. and he said, hey, you need to come with me. We're becoming members at our local veterans post. Okay. So I went up there with him. It was election night. And this was the AMVETS, American Veterans. Uh, They also have uh, VFW out there, American Legion. Um, There's a plethora of of different organizations. Right. And that really helped me, especially being a part of the AMVETS, because the AMVETS is – almost like a private community. You either have to be a veteran or you have to be the son or a daughter of a veteran. And there is a key to get into the place. Wow. It's not open to the public. A lot of times the bar is not open to the public or, or some of the areas Mm -hmm. like the VFW are, this is enclosed. And so whenever I want to get out and be around veterans or people who are sympathetic with veterans, Mm -hmm. I'll go up to my American veterans post, put that key in the lock, open up the door, and it's like I'm walking into my own club. My That's, own fantastic. club. Yeah. That's fantastic. club. Um, That's fantastic. And that that changed my life forever. I ended up uh, working my way up to being the first vice commander of that post, Try to bring a lot of other people in. But the biggest issue with a lot of these groups or these organizations like the VFW and the MBETs is that they're having a really hard time assimilating into bringing in new... New membership, young membership, they still have things set up the old way, as mm-hmm. if you were coming back from World War II sure. or as if, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these places right. you go into, it's still a smoky I, How bar. would you change that? Well,
2: uh, the other thing I wanted to add on, too, is that I think that that's a piece of also workplace. Workplace, even though we want to think that it's all new and modern and they've adopted new blah, insert whatevers, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of that same mechanism that is still that older guard... This mm-hmm. is the way it's been done for insert number and period of years. And we're not ready to change it because there's nothing that we need to change it for. Right. Mm-hmm. And the answer is there is, there are things and people to change it for. There's just th- that, that, meshing I was talking about, that there is no opportunity for that currently. And I think that's a piece of what needs to be inside a Wade solution too. I just, I don't know what it looks like at all.
3: Right. And, to kind of go off your original question about you know what can be the long term or short term, right. you know the the whole dormitory idea. I think that would be a good idea as a resource, okay, um, an option for right. people that need it because right. there definitely are veterans that get out that struggle a lot more than others, and right. that'd be something great for them to kind of help ease them back into it. I think the broader picture it needs to be something a decentralized network where there's resources everywhere. There is resources everywhere across the country. There's so many veteran foundations that are out there to help people out, whether it's getting veterans out on horseback or taking them hiking or going on adventure, whatever these organizations do, there's a lot of great resources. Who pays for this? They're nonprofits just like our our organization. So they raise money through fundraisers and people donate and they take them out on these excursions or whatever the resource is. The problem is, is that veterans do not know all the resources available to them. You get out and they say, go to the VA, they'll take care of you. Well, they they don't take care of you. Right. Yeah. And So it's an information
1: campaign that needs to
3: happen. It is, and it's creating a, a network of resources. It's creating a network not just of resources, but when you bring in these veterans these resources, getting them connected with other, other veterans. So when we do our, our fundraisers, I call around to all the local veteran nonprofits because sharing is caring, right? Mm-hmm. So I say, Hey, come out, set up a table, you know, we'll give you five minutes to talk about your organization. We encourage vets to come out. It's not just for people to come raise funds for our but we want vets to come out and have a good time and meet other veterans and their and their neighborhoods or their communities to where they can get that camaraderie back and they can get that sense of brotherhood and people that they can go to and share with. And veterans click really quick, quick together. It doesn't matter if you were Army, Navy, Marine Corps, if you served in Desert Storm, Iraq, Afghanistan, you just have that connection. And- you know, anytime I meet a veteran, it's just a real quick connection. We get along great. And I all think the time. That's,
2: a, that's a great transition, too. We we uh, I interrupted you before, Mike. We were talking about Tom. Mm-hmm. And so let's learn about Tom, Matt. Tell so, us all about Tom.
3: Uh, so, the Zola Initiative, and we'll talk, that's kind of yeah. how we started our organization. Zola comes from my brother's nickname when he was in the Marine Corps of Zola. My brother was very involved and very eager to help veterans and help this problem that we're talking about. And he recognized a lot of the issues that veterans deal with because he experienced them firsthand. He put a lot of effort into creating opportunities for veterans or trying to be a voice for veterans um, when he was at Webster University. Unfortunately, you know, he succumbed to some of the issues that a lot of the veterans, you know, today do, and he committed suicide. And out of anybody, any veteran that I knew, he was the last one that I would have ever, ever thought would have even ever crossed his mind but that just goes to show that you know veterans are so prideful and they 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 want to make a life for themselves and they're not going to ask for help and you know i'm kind of the same way but so that's why i started this organization me and mike got it up and running with our other board members it's basically kind of a way to keep my brother's initiative alive you know of helping out veterans and getting them connected with resources and letting veterans know giving them a place to go and mike touched and, on this earlier
4: right and you know he he did give his all when it came to helping out veterans. Like I said, he was the one who got me off the couch to go join the veterans post. He was the one who, at other at point in times, helped set up... uh remember one time we went out into downtown St. Louis, and they had this huge, huge thing, and he was a part of it, where we were handing out things to homeless veterans. So they had pretty much an encampment. They come in, you know, here's your backpack, here's toothbrush toothpaste there's a, a dentist over here you know and and pretty much go through the gauntlet and and you know here's here's something for you guys uh for the homeless veterans and what he recognized what he saw on campus was like what i was talking about earlier where you could be sitting right next to another veteran and have no idea that they were a veteran when i was Going to uh, Webster University, you know, it's it's a m- more of a liberal arts college, but yeah. they have a really good business school, mm-hmm. which is attractive and right. it's and it's local, and so that's what what I was going towards. But what he recognizes is that yes, we are isolated, and a lot of times we won't even allow anybody around us to know that we're veterans. And so, how are our... why is that? It, you know what? I was just asking. I was wondering that. Why it's, is that? It's I think because...
3: it's like I said. You earlier when we started talking you just want to go back to being normal you don't oh. you just want to, okay you just want to feel normal again
2: okay. i think does it not also Which, spill into the whole the the piece of the feeling that you described as it's the shyness that i think you were trying to think of the word uh self-conscious mm-hmm. humility. i think i really? well, yeah, it's not humility quite, gone it, it, it's, it's not no it's not quite that it, it's more way being way more self-conscious my dad talks about this too or talked about this Well, in uh-huh. the fact
3: i like the sense that you don't want somebody to look at you different You know, just because they realize that, and I, you know, it's kind of like how I talked about when I sat down and had beer with my buddies and told them, and it was, I could almost immediately see it in their faces that they, from that point on, viewed me in a different light than they did before. Do you regret that that
1: transition in their viewpoint of you?
3: I don't regret it. Um, I mean, you shouldn't.
1: I'm just wondering if you would.
3: No, it was just, it was, and that was my first experience with that. You know, like I said, it was right after my first appointment and it was just kind of a shock a little bit, but uh-huh. you could recognize it. And then, you know, as I got out and more time I spent back home, you just realized that people view you in a different light. And like I said, a lot of guys and gals when they get out of the military they just want to go back to a normal life yeah. like everybody else
2: was tom uh younger or older than you he was my older brother older, older. brother okay. so by you- how by how many years
3: two years two years okay. so me tom and mike we all grew up together running oh, okay. around oh, uh
2: there's the there's the magic yeah. yeah. was was <laughs> trying to figure out how yeah we all grew
3: up together running <laughs> around doing stupid stuff as kids <laughs> and uh yeah. all we you all grew by... up about five houses
4: from each other yeah and oh, we all wow.
3: we all went in the marines tom was first one and then we all got out and you know yeah. L- luckily, we had the three of us, you know, together. So, and
4: going going back to to Webster, so after Tom recognized all these issues that was that was happening on campus, uh, he used his position as the president of the student veterans organization on campus to write up a business plan for the university to create a veterans center on campus. Hmm. Uh, he was able to secure permission to essentially take over the first floor of a house on campus That's as the Veterans Center. Mm-hmm. He wrote up another business plan, sent it off to... Who was it? Home Is Depot. It, yeah. We got a government a, grant. Yeah, government. We got about a $10,000 grant to redo the area. So, as you walk in, you have a lounge area to your left. You know, you go down the hallway, computer study C- area. Computer so, study area. you have an area to
3: hang out with other veterans. If you just, you know, in between classes, you want a place to hang out, watch TV, do whatever go and, you know get on the computers type up a paper it's not a student union it's a, a it's veteran. a veterans organization okay. yeah. and, and that, that was that was established the veterans organization was established there just was no physical place on it and the membership was very low
4: and extremely low when i f- when it first started up my first year i would go in there and take a nap in between classes. And I might only see one or two other guys a week who would come in there. Mm -hmm. Wow. And was it awareness,
2: do you think? Or just like, does it fall into the self-conscious thing again? It was, it was. Look at the the five guys hanging out inside the the vets area. Yeah.
4: It was was brand new. Nobody knew about it. And then as time passed, flash forward to now, and they have a serious membership They've written their bylaws. They have monthly Mm -hmm. meetings. They've raised. They've raised thousands and thousands of dollars, which I don't know if they know necessarily want to what they want to do with it. But they're also creating awareness. I would think colonize on campus. I would
1: think colonize. I would think start these on other campuses in the same city, and And that's a long-term
4: goal of our organization.
3: But and I'll get back to that. But that's so this whole concept kind of started of you know bringing awareness with my brother and one of our board members. He's a good friend of my brother. He's the veteran service officer there at Webster University, and that's how he got to know Tom. Mm -hmm. So he kind of coordinates, helps coordinate, you know, the veteran or student veterans organization. Um, He's an Army veteran himself. And, you know, after my brother passed, you know, he talked about just the vast difference of before my brother got involved to after he became president of that organization and the things that he did for that organization. And actually, after after he passed uh, Webster, they dedicated uh, that, that building to my brother. It's named after my brother. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So It, it
4: created... Um, is it his
2: whole name, or did they take Zola? Uh,
3: it's Corporal Thomas Palazola wow. Veterans mm-hmm. Center, yeah. That's kick-ass. Mm-hmm.
2: That's and great.
4: It, it, it took that community of veterans, which, as I said, you have no idea who's, who's sitting next to you. Right. And you have right. a place to go, and, and then now you can assimilate with them, but then also be a part of the broader campus you know and so Mm -hmm. it it creates recognition and that's
3: like I said that's one of our our long-term goals for our, our organization because we want to keep things kind of in in line with my brother's memory and the things he did and you know, as we grow and get more funding, is to be able to grant schools funding to do the things like my brother did. You know, building these um, veteran centers, giving them a place to go. Yeah. And there are campuses out there that do have some. It's just not very common. Yeah. let's get um, back
1: to rule versus the exception? Mm-hmm. The number of campuses um, throughout the country. How 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 often is this happening on campuses?
3: I would say not often at all. Mm. Not often well, and, at all. So yeah. then, and, like I said, they're out there. It's just it's just not. Yeah.
2: Uh, uh, I would also just spill that a lot of the stories that we're going to get instead of almost every mainstream media outlet is going to give us the opposing view. Right. We don't have the view except to focus on perhaps the programs, but not the installation of this kick ass thing that you can do to help. Right. Right. That 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 piece of the, the mechanism, it is shared, but it is not shared widely. It's not. And I think that's a piece of the problem is that the the knowledge of what is available mm-hmm. is not widely shared. Mm-hmm. That it, it's a piece of the problem. Can I ask uh-huh.
1: you guys a question? Do you know what percentage, if any, of the defense budget is being allocated to help veterans with assimilation? I couldn't
4: tell you um, that number now. I don't know how much of the defense budget budget I I do know that, that would
1: come from that wouldn't it they, Defense
4: budget I would think well they they allocate <sighs> I mean the federal government allocates so much funds towards the VA right and then the VA does have a lot of side a couple of different uh side I'll uh, be curious on how much waste is happening with that right I mean uh, and they have a certain area certain organizations that that provide mental health which are not 100 percent associated with the VA so no. like where the VA is not going to peer into what it is that you tell that psychiatrist or psychologist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have small things out there, but it's, it, it's you're, you're limited to funding.
1: You know, I think that's one of the things that would help is if they did, like, a survey of veterans, especially that, well, yeah, that are belong to organizations like you're talking about on campus and ask how effective it is in helping deal with their problems, their mental issues mm-hmm. from uh, PTSD and, and battlefield issues to want to help them stay with us and to move forward mm, maybe right. with that kind of an education campaign, you know, with that type of survey to mo- combined with an education campaign, you could really start the ball rolling and get mm. the momentum going to have more of these organizations on campus and not just in campuses, but in downtown cities and in, in, in places all over mm. with like some type of a recognizable, uh, signage that, that, that people could go to. Yeah. And, and like
3: I said, I mean, that's I mean, I don't the, want the to McDonaldize the whole thing, but I no, think that's part I, of it. Yeah. And then there's not enough knowledge out there of different resources. And I'll tell you a, a personal story of when, I, before I, we even started this organization yeah. with myself not having enough knowledge. Cause all I thought was you go to the VA and I was going as actually right after my brother passed, I was going through some tough, tough, tough stuff. And like I said before, I'm very prideful, don't like to ask for help it's probably my biggest fault but but,
2: but common it's something it about, is very common it's very common in veterans extremely it's, it's common in veterans it's something that we've only really glanced on too that i was just thinking about when we were just talking okay. is that um have again having worked with enough law enforcement representatives over the course of now a decade right the the fact is that it is a very closed environment in general mm-hmm. the 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 want to share and the it's why we're doing what Cupswatch.com. It's mm-hmm. because it need, there needs to be a platform where you can come in mm-hmm. right. and talk about things that are on your mind without instantly being judged or right. instantly knee-jerk anything. Right. And that's why we started what Cupswatch.com. But the, 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 the gist is that all of that is you guys are incredibly sharing. Yeah, thank and you, you so are, much. You are so willing to open your mouth mm-hmm. and say things where the vast majority would not. Yeah. And before, uh, I mean like, and bef- yeah.
3: Like, like I said, before you know, we started this organization, I was that guy. I didn't want to talk about things. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I was going through a real tough time. And my wife just really pushed me, said, hey, please just go, go talk to somebody. I said, okay, I'm going to do it for you. I thought, okay, the only resource I have is the VA. So I mm-hmm. called the VA up. I say, hey, I'd like to talk to a counselor. When can I get an appointment? They say, well, do you have a primary care doctor through the VA? I said, no. I said, well, we can't schedule you with the counselor until we get you assigned. Yeah. 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 So I say, okay, well, set me up with an appointment for them. Well, our next available is three weeks away. I say, okay, how long is it going to take from the time I do that until I can? And they say, well, the counselors, it's probably going to be about another three weeks after that. So here I am, one feeling kind of in a vulnerable situation because this isn't something i like to do i don't like to seek out help (laughs) and i'm getting told okay well you're gonna have to wait six weeks before you can even talk to somebody and i think it was you that told me about there's a resource local resource st louis vet center um, which is it's funded by the va but it's not centrally affiliated with the va and what they are is they're a couple of counselors and they're veterans Mm -hmm. and i called them up and they said. We can do this now. You want me to meet you at a restaurant? I can come to you. You want to come in here? I was, I was like, "This is great!" Right? Yeah. And I went and talked to them a couple of times. It helped out, but we, I had no idea that that was even available to me. And not only that, so if you hadn't talked
1: to Mike, you'd have never known. You'd no. have still been sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting. Exactly. For we went we
4: there. We went there together. And the thing about thing about veterans is, veterans will only ask other veterans mm-hmm. for help. So we're really only limited within our knowledge of resources within side of that. Yeah. small group
2: there, there, there's a there's another concept i was thinking about when we were talking previously and it's where somewhere inside of wade's fix and solution blah whatever it is <laughs> whatever <laughs> that's not called. how i feel right now it's like damn it i had an idea yeah, the, the the concept there needs to be something that is way more a swiss army knife style buffet of options mm-hmm. for you guys than get your ass to the va mm-hmm. yeah why don't you go talk to so-and-so at the va that mm-hmm. It needs to exactly. not be that knee jerk, right. and that's a piece of education that's got to happen in a completely different area.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That I, I I don't even know who we would. I go almost to feel like we need to come that. back and do this right. again.
1: I don't I, I don't oh, there, know if I've helped you guys yeah, or not.
2: Well, no, you, and you have. The bottom line is that we're getting the message out. More more importantly, it's yeah. it's what I love about talking to anybody. Yeah. That is in the. You guys happen to be in the military astronaut outfits, and that you guys explain were military- that phrase to them because they, they sure. weren't you know. Okay, astronaut. Familiar with the astronaut concept, mm-hmm. right? Okay, you guys are military astronauts, and that you guys have put on the suit, you went into the environment, and more often than not, we might all say, "I want to go shoot a big ass machine gun, yeah," or "I want to blow shit up, yeah, let's do that." But the bottom line is, I don't have any interest in going to war. I don't have, I don't have it, and so it's an alien environment, and I'm too that's big of a why, person. right? <laughs> That's why you guys decided to put on the military astronaut outfit and do the deal. But it was your environment. And I, other than knowing the stories, and the only way we get those is if you tell us. Other than knowing the stories and hearing them and wanting to share the stories, I don't have any perspective on anything that you guys have talked about, Mm -hmm. except that I can equate that to other stories I've heard. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to share the stories.
4: It, it, it's I, super I, I agree. Key. I mean, the one one of the things that I said to myself as I was exiting the military was suck up your pride. And if somebody yeah. has a question, be brutally honest with them. Yeah. Despite what shock they might feel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Be brutally, be brutally honest with them, because how else is anybody going to gonna know
2: right mm-hmm. well and not only that not only the, the awareness part is key but the learning part is even more important mm-hmm. it was something my dad was telling me a long ass time ago that I never listened to until I got in my 30s I'm out of college I've got a kick-ass job and then I started listening to the things he was saying because he's my dad and I it's that whole flipping of the the perspective thing Yep, and it absolutely happened and it you have to learn from the things that you experience rather than just you happen to be there and you guys are helping us do that. So, way to, to go back to your, you know, my God, this this is a shit show.
1: It's not. It's not a shit show. It's <laughs> just that I had a concept, and it seems like, as always, went off the rails. I don't know if I helped or not. It's like Mikey says, we are getting the word out. I think we need to come back well, and, and do this again. Uh, I'm just uh, trying to figure uh, yeah. out where. I,
2: again, more importantly, it's about the perspective. And yeah. you guys sharing mm-hmm. that inside mm-hmm. of your kick-ass military or previous military, well, former military, astronauts is just yeah. kick-ass. And
4: Wade, to give you credit. I mean, the, it's a great idea to try to bring veterans into an area so we can all talk with each other, hash out our experiences, and especially those veterans like Matt and I who have been out for a while, we have a lot of that experience. Mm-hmm. We understand what the trials and tribulations are going to be. What a lot of young veterans don't know is that places like the VFW, they have veteran service officers. So instead of going directly to the VA to try to take care of your stuff, you become a member at the VFW. You talk to their veteran Mm -hmm. service officer, and then that guy will be like a buffer between you and the VA. He will be the one to help set up the appointments, tell you exactly what it is that you need to do, and ninety-five percent of the time, they're also a veteran. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys don't know that that exists. That hey, you could. You should use be their, learning that you, as you're coming out. You could, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and that's how I learned. It was some of the guys who had already gotten out gave that knowledge to me, mm-hmm. but. That's just word of mouth. But it's not it, taught. But that's exceptional versus the rule. Yeah. Once again. There's
2: mm-hmm. also an attention span thing there too. Yeah. Because again, when you, when you guys, and again, this is where I I would love to know more about the specifics of, okay, so you're six weeks out, and so what, the the drift of that perspective. It, it's where I, I tell you guys you should probably start a podcast that shares things like that. That you are really the nuggets should. that you nobody. Really Nobody, not only nobody knows about, but nobody thinks about, Mm -hmm. because being able to share the perspectives of those things that nobody one doesn't want to talk about, Mm -hmm. two wouldn't ever have thought to sit here and ask guys that have been in, they never would have asked you. So, what were you thinking when you were you got six weeks left of your life, and then what happens?
4: So, six weeks before I got out of the military, I had actually used that time to go to a local community college to go through an EMT course. So I got past the course, then decided that wasn't probably for me, uh, at the same time when they, I was,
2: uh, and I'm going to hit the pause button and mm-hmm. pardon my pause buttons, but go they're ahead. awesome. So, uh, why did you choose EMT? Any, any particular, why'd you back out?
4: Part of it was that if I didn't go do something, uh, as far as higher education within my last couple of months while I was in, yeah, they would have just stuck me out as a road guard yeah. or out on the range in some crappy voluntold, position as, okay. as you're exiting yeah, and
3: that is one option that you have if you're if your contract is ending and your unit knows that and you're non-deployable which meaning you going and training with the rest of the guys it's pretty much just going to be a waste of time and money right. they give you options to where and you have to sign up to them and everything like that where they'll fund you to go to some guys go to actual local colleges nearby their base mm-hmm. um i did a uh, and they'll give you the time you know during your normal work day to do it i did a personal trainer certification that way i'd had that option when i got out which was one of my three jobs didn't you can get make your, a lot of money
4: you can get your cdo mm-hmm. so there is yeah. those those options
3: to, to you know get something going before you get out
2: great and then wade's question why why did that why did that were you not interested in that blood
4: well that's what i was talking about. <laughs> part, partly my my medical training that i had in in the military and then some of it being that was i was able to use on on the field was much more significant than what they taught us as emts it was it was it was more uh, translatable to that of a uh, er nurse um mm, okay. uh, so it was like you know if 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 i can't put a, a needle d into some guy's chest or or slice his throat open to make a make room for a trach you know emts can't do that kind of stuff mm. you know but Going through some of the special certifications and, and courses that the that the military offers, I was allowed to do that type of thing on what? the battlefield if necessary. So That's dumb it, it was, uh, it, it it was like that that training. And no, that it's exp- dumb
1: that as a civilian they wouldn't allow him to do stuff that he'd been doing in, in the service. So
4: it's 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 out of scope. Well, not like, only is that out yeah. of scope,
2: it's it's again it's the awareness thing where it doesn't it doesn't instantly translate because they don't know that you can do that right or they have no idea they have no idea that you have not only that they have no idea if you get the training they have no idea if you've actually done it either Mm -hmm. the 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 sample would be any training whether it's firearms training um negotiator training whatever it is there's always the ask of when did you last insert whatever your kick-ass last thing was Mm -hmm. okay well that isn't asked of you inside of that training program it's not when did you last do an open trick That question was never asked to you,
1: right? correct? Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, and that's what I'm talking about is that, again, it's that handshake. Somewhere you guys are helping to create that mesh between the what is and what needs to be. And that's why I'm really excited about working and talking with you guys. And, um, you know, it kind of goes back to
3: that. Like I said, you know, people get out and they go apply for jobs, and these jobs just see that as, oh, he was in the military. What use is that to me? They don't understand all of the skill sets that this individual
1: may have developed yeah. while they were in the military it comes back to a class right. that they should have in school where i i i just think that there should be more education in our public education system to really understand one the workings of our government to the the benefits of uh other careers like in the military i mean if you enter into ROTC fine you will then but maybe it's something that you should know about to begin with. Like, everybody should take a freaking home ec class. You're going to need to learn how to cook. Well, you should learn about other careers outside of the, the normal uh, path.
4: So it comes back to education. One thing that would help is to learn how to write a resume. Yeah. a lot of guys don't know how to sell themselves, guys and gals. Don't know how to sell themselves when they get out of the military.
3: That was about a four-hour block in the week-long class. That it <laughs> right. really was. It was about a four-hour block in the week-long class. Well, how that how you much of get the get stuff
1: out. was in the class that you just looked at and listening to it, going, Half the what, time, no. it was. Even it even was
3: oh, I'm, I'm going home in you know a month. I don't care about this class. You're well, just tapping, just tapping your foot. You're not even listening.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and I, I think, again, that, get, that gets down to some very, very fundamental stuff where it's about the instructor. Yeah. I think all of us, at some point, whether it's anywhere from grade school through high school into college experience, you can point to the people that either were or weren't valuable for you in the learning process. Okay. The ones that were valuable inside the learning process, they are gold.
1: Yeah, this is true. I can remember those two names my are, name They still... are
2: the Mr. Isaacsons. They yeah. are the – and on the other end, you have Ms. D'Amico who – in second grade, oil and water, dude. Hey, Mr. Hobart. I, 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 my hands weren't big enough to throttle a woman when I was in second grade, but wow, just every time. <laughs> grr, grr, grr. I don't know. Anyway, the, uh, yeah. the, the but the gist is that all of those experiences build you inside of the learning process, and if you don't have it, it doesn't matter what level
1: you don't have it. You don't have okay. it, guys. Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything that you want to add?
3: No, just kind of a finishing touch. It's, it's a lot of it is just getting the awareness to veterans of everything that is available to them because there is so much available to veterans outside of the va that veterans just don't know and it's getting veterans to seek out those resources right Um, how do you make them do it Giving the awareness, letting putting it out there, letting them know, letting them know that other veterans are doing things yeah. like this. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of so, the biggest thing for me is I wasn't doing a lot of things, and you know, involved in the veteran community because I didn't know other veterans were doing all this stuff. And you know, that's kind of one of the overall, you know, goals of our organization is to create this community and make sure that the veterans know and host these events and bring out other nonprofits. You know. Just so we create a giant community because I want to help out all the vet, all this St. Louis area you know, veteran nonprofits. If they're helping veterans, I want to help them. I want more veterans. To get, I want to bring veterans to them. And I want those veterans to go back, and they might know one veteran buddy, and they're going to tell them
1: about that, and he's going to go do the same thing, and it's just a chain reaction. That might be the best thing is to just get things really organized in this area mm-hmm. and then colonize out from there. Mm-hmm.
2: And there's a piece of the solution somewhere, too. And this is funny because this whole thing has been flipped on its edge. <clears throat> where tri- typically you're providing all the, how about this, Mike? And I'll go, hmm, that sucks. We've kind of flipped it on where we're kind of giving you the pieces of parts of the solution to throw in whatever your solution is going to be. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and one of them would be, I think, one of the most distinct successful concepts and, and imagery things. I know that, and again, I wasn't in the military, but I thought it was incredibly successful was the deck of cards of the bad guys back in, I don't remember what operation that was. Desert Storm, I remember those. Okay, well there was a deck of cards and inside of it there was a listing of the double dumbasses that needed to be caught, killed, or insert whatever the hell happened Mm -hmm. to them. And that card concept is exactly what should happen inside of service offerings for the military. So that when you guys are ready to get out, you are given literally a deck of cards that you can either play cards with mm-hmm. or somewhere on the cards just something that indicates something. Ooh, the information that, is, that you would need. To, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. And
2: when, what I, I, again, this is, I don't, I don't know the community well enough yet. You are one of, I don't know, maybe a dozen veterans that I've had this long a conversation with, uh, beyond my family. And the the, the gist is that somewhere inside of the conversation, there needs to be the check. And I don't know what it, what it's going to be, but it's, it's the check between, a comrade and a comrade where you look at each other and there is a word, whether it's Zola or whatever. And the handshake is, how are you doing? And it's not me asking you, how you, how are you doing? It's you asking him, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then all of that relationship somewhere, there's a little, there's a keyword that would be associated with this deck of whatever that you could ask each other so that if you are having a problem, you guys can get into the habit of asking yourself whatever the check word is, mm-hmm. and that instantly becomes uh, it's it, it's the it's the rip cord before you really need a rip cord, and I would equate it very much to what Tom offered you by getting your ass off the couch.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He literally gave you the check word without
1: yep.
2: giving you the check word. He said, "Hey man, get off the couch. Let's go." Blah. Yeah. And there needs to be that.
3: And it's it's all about just creating the community, the veteran community, and making sure everybody knows and even i mean we have family members reach out to us that you know they say hey my son or my nephew or my cousin he served in afghanistan he's not doing so well he's got a b or c problems yeah well we have created this network in st louis with different organizations that specialize in different things so i say okay well me personally as our organization don't have a resource for you, but I know of A and B resource, which would be great because I know what they offer, so I can get these people in touch with them. So if you have that network and people to go
1: to, I really think that you guys is, should start is, your own podcast. I think it would be really great. Well, for you to and get Is the there word a out.
2: nexus of information that you guys have either started or um, want that's, to start? Or?
3: We're actually talking about that on our, our on the way here. Okay,
2: um, I'd like to find a way to help you build and, that. You know, there it's are if, possible
3: if you Google things. There's, you know, very generic list of, right. but it doesn't go into detail about what they offer. Right. And well, it should and, you go into detail. When it it we started this out, points. yeah. Right. And we, when we started this out, I went through these lists and I contacted, you know, the executive directors and the presidents directly and said, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. I want to know about what your organization does. I want to sit down and meet with you because I want to be able to funnel veterans to you that need your resource. And these were the organizations that come out to our fundraisers and say, Hey, this is what I offer. Um, at our last fundraiser, we one of Mike's a... good friends. It's a how great... many
1: fundraisers have you had? We've had uh, four now. Are they getting more and more successful? Yeah, um, okay. we
3: actually just started our first annual trivia night, which is probably our our most successful, and Excellent. it's going to be something we're going to be continuing on um, and growing every every year. And we I'll we're... have to show up. I'm a smart ass. Can <laughs> non go? Oh yeah, no, it's open oh, to yeah. everybody. Awesome. It's a good time. So, um, yeah,
4: going off what he was saying, well. It's about veterans reaching out to other veterans and then allowing them to know what resources are there. So me being dragged to the AM vets I became a member at the AM vets I met another guy. His name was Scott Beatty. He uh, was a 20-year submariner. Mm. He got out, and he started up this organization called Visions for Vets. Okay. He was able to get a little room at Fontbonne University, and he ended up getting his master's or the equivalent of a master's in art. Okay. And what he does is he teaches veterans not just how to oil paint or or put clay together, but like they were running a thing for months there where they were doing Damascus steel and they were making yes. knives and swords oh, cool. out of the stuff. And then they would oh, bring, that'd be awesome. Yeah, bring a, somebody really else cool in. Yeah, somebody else in to make the sheaths for it. And he was telling me that various representatives from the VA and family members have credited that particular thing that he's doing with preventing multiple suicides oh, that's fantastic. already and so i invited him out to our uh, fundraiser where he set up a table made a beautiful opening speech mm-hmm. for for our event and then you're able to create those resources i hope that grows you know? and grows that's yeah just no awesome. it's a really
3: cool program yeah. and like I said, it's, it all keeps circling back just to the network because you know mike he knows this guy from his ambets post and you know I never knew about it until Mike told me about it because there's, it's just that information's just not out there to everybody. And but we are able to bring him out and you know, get his information out there so more people can find out about it and spread it to other veterans and get more mm-hmm. veterans involved in his That's program. All about you. And mm-hmm. his That's program's growing, it, growing yeah. pretty fast.
4: He uh, he just recently made good connections with a lady who has acquired a golf course. Really, and her golf course is going to be for veterans, family members, police officers, first responders. Hot
1: damn, where? Where in the city. Uh, is it I, in the
4: city? I will have to look that information up for you. Okay. I don't know exactly, but sh- yeah, send it along with we'll yeah. the show notes for this episode. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So as as Fontbonne was pushing him out, it got to the point where he couldn't even keep his supplies there. He had to keep his supplies in his what truck. Jackassery!
1: That's ridiculous. In, in his
4: truck, and I mean, the, in the the uh, the ladies or the why? Lady, why did they push him out? he was expanding too too much for them so he he ended up having a lot more supplies you know and and my veterans post we help raise money to buy him a mobile truck so he'll go right around during the day if a veteran can't make it oh that's two, cool and he'll go to their house and and do something with them sweet but this lady is is going to be setting is already in the process or they already have set him up with the place at the golf course and so now they don't have to rely at the mercy oh, that's of, the best. of the school now they have one more peaceful place.
1: environment too than a golf mm-hmm. course right
4: right which is amazing but it's like like matt was saying i mean how else would you even know that that yeah. resource is available a lot of people have you guys ever heard of outward bound it's, what it's called outward bound. So they it was, was that movie with talking dogs. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah, Exactly. Homeward they, bound. They do a homeward lot of bound. homeward bound. Yeah. Yeah. They got a lot of programs for like troubled kids where they'll take them hiking or dog sledding or sailing, and it's it's a, it's a a week expedition at a time. And it's a
3: real expedition. No it's, cell phones, electronics, ooh, anything go. like that. You know, they have snowshoeing up in the That's mountains. Fantastic. So they have they
4: have limited positions, but they do offer as part of the program for veterans and veterans only. You got to get in there quick.
3: It's totally free of charge for Totally
4: veterans. free of charge from from the plane flight there to the plane flight back. The only thing that you might have to uh that you might have to bring as like your toothbrush and, and change of clothes and some other things like that, but yeah, there's a lot of resources out there that guys just don't even know that did mm-hmm. it. Tom and I and then two other Marines, we went on this expedition with the four of us, and as four infantry Marines, I mean, you have no idea how how crazy we seemed to all the <laughs> Army, Navy, and Air Force veterans. You know, like you're 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 talking, you're sitting there talking about how how civilians normally like, might look at veterans, and we got veterans looking at us, like, we're, we're freaking for out you. of our minds, you know what I mean? Just, I just want to be a part of that things,
3: club. Things like that are just, like, great for veterans, because we talk about pride and not wanting to express ourselves, and, like, visions for vets, expressing yourself through art and without having to use words, and it's an outlet for them, or just going out and getting in touch and, you know, getting away from technology and getting away from the world and being, you know, at one with nature, it's just calming and it's just a great way for you know veterans to find another way to uh, i guess kind of cope with the things that they deal with on a day-to-day basis yeah I,
2: I i think that that's incredibly valuable and i it's it's not an alien experience everybody needs an outlet of some kind mm-hmm. that is a, a valve that lets you let off some steam but also just have a different experience in general mm-hmm. and uh we all know far too many people that don't have that we, yeah. we really don't.
3: And it's giving veterans an opportunity to say let off steam. Well, what's the number way most number one way most veterans let off steam? Drinking, it's going to the bar drinking, and drinking. And that's, and that's, yeah, not, great. that's not doing anything but making their negative. situation ten times worse. That's why I'm so
1: excited about the art thing. It's like because I paint every so often, mm. and the only reason I paint is just whatever's in me, I need to get the hell out and onto the canvas. Right. It's very cathartic. It's very relaxing.
4: There's I mean, there's a ton of resources in St. Louis. We went to one one day where uh, for a weekend this this lady has this uh, – this huge farmhouse and multiple rooms at the top of it she'll put you up in a room for for the weekend and make you best friends with the horse find the horse that that likes you and then you go riding trails over the weekend and you oh. have a place to yeah. place to say there's a ton out there but nobody nobody knows about it because it just hasn't been spoken Him, mm-hmm. Matt and I were having the conversation on the way here where as part of updating our website I think what we're gonna do is create a resources page like a yeah. to yeah. where it's we a can of consolidate. And that could be something
1: that you could talk about on your podcast. I'm gonna keep coming back to this guys because <laughs> right. I really do think it's the best thing for you to start really getting the word out there. The
2: the concept and word that you're looking for is Nexus, N-E-X-X U-S. And that is the center, the center of all information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is a Nexus. That's what you're you're looking for and and then I was looking at uh, I was looking at Matt Shirt while he was talking recently and if you made the if you made the nexus, whatever you're going to call it, you call it the Z, it's the Zola Z, and the Z is where you go for the end cool. where all the information is. I would love to help you guys build that if you guys can't figure it out with what you've got resources. And he's the Zola. guy to do it
1: because he do, he he does that for work, don't you? Allegedly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I mean, we're kind of you know two years old. We're learning as we go. Yeah. I, you know. It's it's just
1: a matter of coming in and yeah. talking to the right people mm-hmm. and making the right connections. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I mean, I think yeah that,
3: we've had success getting veterans connected yeah. with the right resources that they need to be connected with, and just getting them connected with people that right. want to help. One of the things we helped got a veteran connected, a, a prior homeless veteran that was in a program of another veteran organization. We got a you know arranged to have a card donated to him oh, as cool. he was transitioning out of this program that yeah. helps transition homeless veterans into their own back into their own lives. Tremendous. And yeah, it's just,
4: right. we also got them on a raise enough funds for like what a month or two of his, of his rent at first.
3: Oh, uh, that was different. We do all kinds of stuff. Um, random veterans come, you know, to us when they have, they just need some help staying on their feet and, and you know, and that's what we use most of our fundraising for it at, at the moment. But you know, our overall goal is, is the nexus and, and the network and, making sure veterans are aware and making sure veterans connect with each other and have an outlet of some source or somewhere to go. Yeah. Whether that's a physical place or just someone to talk to on the phone.
4: Yeah. Right. And And that's tremendous. And like he was saying earlier, family members that come to us, like I have no problem calling somebody up and saying, Hey, what's going on? I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to be a, a psychiatrist to them but i'll say hey why don't you why don't you come over to my my veterans post let's 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 grab a beer and then shoot a couple games of pool and, and then you go hang out with some of the you know some some of the old heads you know a couple of the vietnam vets and korean war vets or or even people who are or sons or daughters to them because they're all sympathetic you know and it's that's that type of association right
1: Guys, this has been fantastic. It has been so informative. I hope somehow that 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 Mike and I have help, helped, if nothing else. Like you said, we're we're, we're sharing the perspective, and and um, I hope that that you your association comes and grows a part of the uh, Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. I think it's yeah. the, the best possible direction, what, Matt. Well, Mike. It's,
2: what, what I also want to do before we move on is um, tell us how people can find your organization. Yes, online.
1: Do. It's www.thezolainitiative.org,
3: or you can find us on Facebook at The Zola Initiative. All of our contact info, email is there on the website and the Facebook page. Um, you can send us messages directly on the Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, we try to get to all of them as soon as possible.
2: We'll, we'll sync all that information
1: in on the show notes for this episode, mm-hmm. too. That'll give you some Google juice as well from us. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, great. there you go. That's great. Well, folks, we did uh, our best. I, I think we got some uh, interesting ideas. At least I, I tried before Mike and Mike and Matt all brilliant. shot him. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Okay, anyway. You were brilliant, uh, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> this comes to you folks. This is definitely a shout-out to the audience. We would love to have any suggestions that you have. And if, if you can help the Zola Initiative, then please contact us. Contact them. Guys, thank you once again uh, so you. much. We oh, hope yeah, to have yeah. you You're back. Appreciate
3: you having us. Absolutely
1: guys as always we have had a real blast recording this um this was obviously a special show we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did if there's anything that you can do to help uh, the zoli initiative please be a part of uh their solution and as always remember you can either make excuses or you can have results but you cannot have both my name is wade b olson and this has been wade Sense.
2: The problem is people not appreciating the people that are in the military. Yes. Is that the problem? Okay. Yes,
1: that is it. All right,
2: so there's the problem.
1: As usual, he, he took what I was trying to say and put it into a condensed, easy-to-understand <laughs> sentence. Thanks, Mike.
2: <laughs> oh, that's my job. Thank you. You're welcome. My OMOS is figure out what the hell Wade is talking about. Thank you. God, what a job okay. you've got. All right, great. <laughs>